Folks, have you checked out the Irish History Podcast shop recently? Right now, I have a sale of 30% off everything when you use the code SALE30. So go to irishhistorypodcast.ie forward slash shop and get 30% off everything when you use the discount code SALE30. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to the Irish History Podcast. My name is Finn DeWire and this is The Life of Tom Crean. Now apologies in advance. As you can probably hear, I'm still not quite over covid and I got a bad cold as a sting in the tail, so my voice is a bit nasally. But today's show is on an incredible figure from Irish history, Tom Crean. Now, at the turn of the 20th century, the Antarctic was still a largely unknown place. Given the seas surrounding the frozen continent are extremely rough, and temperatures regularly plunge below minus 60 Celsius, Few had dared to explore it. However, in the opening two decades of the 20th century, several expeditions began to penetrate the continent in an effort to reach the South Pole. Some of the most famous explorers of the 20th century are associated with these expeditions. Men like the Irishman, Sir Ernest Shackleton, the Norwegian, Roel Abmundsen, and the Englishman, Captain Robert Scott. For decades, another name, that of Tom Crean, an ordinary man from Annascall in County Kerry, was totally forgotten. However, he participated in several expeditions and spent more time in the bitter conditions of the Antarctic than the better known Scott or Shackleton. Now this week I got a chance to talk to Michael Smith, whose book about Crean told his forgotten story. So today's show is all about Tom Crean's extraordinary life and those expeditions to the Antarctic in the early 20th century. Before I begin, I just want to thank the supporters of the show listening on Patreon and Acast+. Plus. You've been very patient in recent weeks when I was sick. And while it has been a slower start to 2022 than I had hoped, I'm still sticking with that target of getting 50 shows out this year. That's not to mention the exclusive shows for supporters. The first of these is coming up in the next few weeks. And because of your support, there's tons of great content coming in the next few weeks. Endgame is a three-part conclusion to the War of Independence series that's more or less finished, and it's going to be about two hours of content, which will be released over three episodes over eight days. 
starting next week. Then after that, I have shows on the story of Ireland's monorail. That's going to be great. The life of Grania Whale, the 16th century pirate queen, and then a history of hurling. I'm also spending lots of time at the moment researching medieval Irish history for a five-part series on the story of the Bruce invasion. That's one of the best stories from the late Middle Ages when the Scots invaded Ireland in 1315. It's a really great story. I'm also planning a show on what a medieval diet is like, so that'll involve living on a medieval diet for a few days and seeing how that goes. Now, all this content, and it's quite varied, is only possible because of the support of listeners on Patreon and Acast Plus. And I just want to thank you all. It's your support that allows me to get the resources and take the time needed to produce this content. So thanks very much and thanks for your patience. Finally, if you want to find out more about Tom Crean, you can check out Michael Smith's book, Unsung Hero, Tom Crean, Antarctic Survivor, or check out Michael's website, that's micksmith.co.uk. There's links to those in the show notes below. Sound on today's episode is by Jason Looney. Now, while Tom Crean would eventually gain fame for his exploits in the Antarctic, I asked Michael to start by telling me a little bit about his earlier life and how an Irish boy goes from rural Kerry to Antarctica. Well, Tom Crean's story really starts uh, in the late Victorian era in 1877, and he's born out in West Kerry on a farm, and he was a a middle son of a very large family, nine, ten children. Uh, And uh, he wasn't really... um, going to inherit the farm. There was no real work. His education would have been minimal. And at the age of 15, 16, he did what so many thousands of other young Irish lads did in that era. He left home and in his case, he joined the Navy. Some some went to the Navy, some went into the Army. Tom chose the Navy. I suppose Kerry is a, is a maritime uh, county. And um, and so off he went and he, he, he joined up in the Navy. And it's interesting point, um, he, at that stage, he would have been a fairly uh, innocuous-looking figure, rather scrawny, little West Kerry lad, not the big hef- hefty character that we came to recognise. And it's interesting that at that in those days, the British Navy was the most powerful fighting machine in the world, and they were very, very choosy about who they let into their Navy. And here is this semi-literate, scrawny young Irish lad from Kerry and yet he comes through with flying colours. So we get the first uh, hint here about something and something different about this man, because up to 90% of the young lads who joined the Navy were thrown out before they finished their training because it was so arduous and you had to have certain skills, obviously. Well, Tom Crean came through with flying colours and he became an ordinary sailor, what they called a blue jacket in those days, and so he joined the most powerful military force in the world. It was the it was the force which reinforced the British Empire. One has to remember that this was this was imperialism at work, and he was part of that. It was a job and no more. And he had no grand designs to be a long-serving uh, military man, but it was a good job. It was three meals a day, and you got to see the world and lots of young lads thrown together. And he. Um, spent roughly eight years just touring around with on a variety of ships. And he happened to be stationed in the Pacific Fleet in 1901, just by chance. And at that time, Britain was sending the very first expedition 
to explore the Antarctic. This is the first time anybody had been down there to explore the interior. Now, people had been and seen the coastline. There'd been a couple of small forays onto the coast, but nobody had been into the interior in any great depth. And so Britain sent this huge expedition, nearly 50 men, and their last port of call was Littleton in New Zealand before they went due south and were gone for two years. Whilst they're in, uh, uh, in New Zealand, one of Scott's sailors, Captain Scott was the, was the leader of the expedition, and one of Scott's sailors got drunk, as sailors are apt to do, attacked an officer and uh, ran away. And so there, on the brink of this momentous expedition, Scott was a man short, and this scrawny young lad from Kerry put his hand up and said, I'll go instead. And so that's where you have the very beginnings of Tom Crean as an Antarctic explorer. It was a stroke of luck. He, I don't think he had any great desires to go. Uh, somebody said to him, you must be mad. And he said, well, I must be mad to have come this far away around the world. So this was the sort of character he was. So by this point in the story, Tom Crean had volunteered to go on an expedition to the Antarctic. I asked Michael what was known about the continent at this point and what conditions Crean could expect to face there. People speculated about its existence for thousands of years before they'd even seen it. Uh, the Greek scholars, for example, worked out that if the Earth was round and they knew there was land on the top of the Earth because they lived in Europe and they could see the land around them, they speculated that there had to be land at the bottom of the Earth, otherwise the Earth would tip over. And so they christened this place after the Antarctic bear. So in Greek, the word for bear is arctos, hence you have the Arctic. And the opposite of the Arctic is Antarctos. So for 2,000 years, people speculated about the Antarctic. The first man to see the Antarctic continent in, in close-up was an Irishman called Edward Bransfield from Cork. But it wasn't until 1901 that anybody made a real first endeavour to go inland and see. They didn't know, for example, whether the Antarctic was an ocean or whether it was a, a land. The Arctic is an ocean. They didn't know wh whether the, the Antarctic was the same. They saw the mountains, but that you know, could just be an island, a series of islands. And so this was the first expedition to penetrate. What they discovered was that on the coastline, it's moderately cold. I mean, it's still cold by, uh, by the standards of Ireland, that's for sure, or the west of Europe. But, you know, what would be minus 10, suddenly when you went inland, it became minus 40, minus 60, minus 70. And as a point of reference, your domestic freezer is set at minus 20. So these guys were living in a freezer. And the clothes they wore were pretty much regulation Navy clothing. They would have worn woolly long johns, a pair of trousers over them. Uh, maybe a couple of shirts and a couple of jumpers, but it was wool, woolen clothes. And, of course, that sounds uh, – and an anorak on top. And that sounds relatively acceptable, except that when you were doing hard work, such as pulling a sledge, you sweated profusely. You can imagine the labour of dragging 200 pounds a head, 90, 100 kilograms per head they were pulling uphill. You sweated profusely, but unfortunately, in those cold temperatures, the sweat froze on your body. So it was kind of self-defeating. So you had to be quite tough. And Tom Crean on this first expedition in 1901 is, stands out 
even though he had no training. And certainly the climate in West Kerry is a million miles from uh, the, the, the climate in, in the Antarctic. But he stood out as being utterly dependable, reliable, and he had what most mountaineers and adventurers will tell you, that 50% of the challenge is in the head. Tom Crean was never defeated. He was about as indestructible as you can get, as a human being can get. And he had the mental resolve as much as he had the physical capacity. On this first expedition, Crean made an impression on Captain Scott, which would see him recruited to serve on other similar expeditions. When they came back, Scott took a year off to write a book about the expedition and do some PR. And when he went back to being a sailor in the British Navy, one of the first men he recruited to work with him was Tom Crean as a petty officer. And they were never apart again until Scott died in the Antarctic in 1912. So he obviously saw something in this man which was different. Now, he wasn't educated. He wasn't sophisticated. He was a rather raw-boned character uh, who liked to drink and certainly will have had his uh, ups and downs in the Navy, but he was utterly dependable. And you have to say, how many people in life can you trust your life with? And he was one of them. Tom would go on to become a household figure in Antarctic expeditions, which, as Michael now explains, were becoming increasingly common at the time. There were four major British expeditions to the Antarctic in the early part of the 20th century, and Tom Crean was on three of them. And he's one of the very, very few men who served alongside Captain Scott and Shackleton because Scott and Shackleton didn't like each other. They were not quite bitter enemies, but they, they didn't, they were um, salt and vinegar, you know, they didn't really didn't get on with each other. Um, but Tom served with both. He loved them both in a different way. Um, you, again, you need to put into context this is essentially the Victorian Edwardian era, is an age of exploration. The British Empire in the 19th century virtually doubled in size by acquiring places like India, chunks of Canada, um, bits of Africa. The whole world was exploring. Anywhere where there wasn't a flag, countries, Germany, France, America, Britain, they sent expeditions to claim the land. And if the Antarctic had had a population, they'd have opened up the post office and planted a flag. That's what they did. This, this was an era of exploration. And it was, a, it was a great time for what we would call a sort of boy's own mentality. There were books and comics and uh, popular newspaper articles. This was the era when what we now know as the popular press began to develop. So you had newspapers like, say, the Daily Mail went from, I think it was founded in the 1890s. Within a couple of years, it's selling a million copies because people by this stage are much more educated. People could read a newspaper on the way to work. They wouldn't have done that 50 years earlier, but they were reading. And one of the things they wanted to read were these fantastic stories about exploration. And so when they, when they came back, the books were very, really very popular. Now, Tom was never asked to write a book because he wouldn't have been able to. He, he wouldn't have had the, the, uh, the capacity to write a book. But lots of the other guys did, and they were big sellers. And Shackleton in particular, another Irishman, Shackleton was absolutely fascinated uh, with the PR aspects, aspects of being an explorer. They sold 
the rights to their stories before they went. And this helped to pay for the expeditions. Shackleton made films. Well, he didn't make them, but he hired people to make films. But he sold the rights to them to finance the expedition itself. This was sort of part privatisation because the expeditions weren't uh, paid for by governments. They were paid for by private enterprise, basically. The governments contributed bids, but they were mostly private money. And Tom Crean is whipped up in that. He would have been part of that era of adventure and exploration and wanting to go somewhere and plant the flag. I mean, they sang songs. They stood on tiny remote islands, which was knee-deep in guano, um, and, and sang God Save the King or God Save the Queen or whichever one was relevant. That was the way things were done in those days. And Tom Green was swept up, swept along with all of that. And it was a very, very standard thing to do. But he stands out because um, he is one of the very few men of these four expeditions. He's on three of them. And so he, his, his name and his achievements run through this era um, in a way that very, very few others do. I mean, if you were a real nerd and you wanted to add up the amount of days and time Captain Scott and Ernest Shackleton spent less time in the Antarctic than Tom Crean. Tom lasted longer than they did, and of course they both died before him. But but he was um, uh, he was somebody who um, spent longer on the Antarctic ice than either of them. On these expeditions, Tom Crean, arguably the least prepared, emerged as an extraordinary character, as Michael now explains. Uh, he possessed enormous physical strength, but as I said, also he had enormous. Um, mental strength. He was not a man who was easily defeated, but he also had a very serious understanding of his own abilities. I mean, he might not have been educated and he certainly didn't go to university and he would have been uh, probably uncomfortable in the company of the better educated lads. But the bottom line is, when you look at these expeditions, certainly Scott's expedition, some of the better educated men died. Tom Crean didn't. And one of the things which stands out for me is his incredible courage. I mean, he was the the difference between life and death for people. You can't ask for more than that from anybody. But he didn't just do it once. He did it was it was repeated times that he did it, and he just seems to have risen to the occasion, whatever the challenge was. And these were very very physical challenges, but they also required a degree of subtlety and expertise. You couldn't just blunder your way in like a bull in a china shop. You had to have an understanding of of how to survive. You know, why did he survive and the others didn't? Well, he survived because of the sort of man that he was. Throughout his time in the Antarctic, Tom Crean carried out several extraordinary feats of endurance and bravery. Michael recalled one of them in particular during the ill-fated Terra Nova expedition from 1911 to 1913, which led to the death of the famous explorer Robert Scott. On this expedition, they were trying to reach the South Pole, and as they progressed towards the Pole, Scott was sending back supporting parties to the base camp. Crean was on the last of these parties sent back, after which Scott himself pressed on. While Crean was one of the last to see Captain Scott alive, he faced a harrowing journey on his way back to base camp, one which took incredible resilience, bravery and determination on the part of Tom Crean. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There are very many episodes of, of his life which we could talk about, but I think the most stirring is an episode which is completely overlooked by the tragedy of Captain Scott's death. And uh, I'm, again, I'm not minimizing what happened to Scott. It's very sad that him and four other guys died. <clears throat> but when that, when news of that tragedy came back, everybody was utterly mortified. The, the, the world went into mourning for these explorers. What they, in so doing, they completely ignored what Tom Crean had just done. And if you look at older books about Captain Scott's expedition, you'll see this little story I'm about to tell you. This will be covered in maybe half a sentence, maybe a, a paragraph or two, almost as though it's an incidental. But let's just run through it. He is, Tom is amongst the last men to see Captain Scott alive. They're 150 miles, 200-odd kilometres from the South Pole, and Scott sends him back. Scott goes on to the pole and dies. Tom has with him two men. One is a, a Navy stoker called Bill Lashley, and the other is a naval lieutenant called Teddy Evans. Evans is the only one who can navigate, which is crucial. They set off the three of them. Evans and Lashley at this point were already exhausted and the journey was 750 miles, so 1,100 kilometres roughly. Um, Tom was the only one who was what you would call fully fit. Amongst other things, they got lost um, and Evans broke down, suffering very badly from scurvy. And he ordered Tom and Bill Lashley to leave him behind to save themselves. Well, they refused. And so they put him on the sledge as well and carried him, even though they were exhausted and probably eating maybe a third to a half of the food intake they needed. And they marched and marched and marched. And eventually they got to within 35 miles, that's about 55K, um, from base camp. And Evans, by this point, is on the brink of death. Bill Lashley is totally played out. And Tom volunteers to walk the last 35 miles, 50-odd kilometres, on his own. Crucially, he doesn't take a sleeping bag, he doesn't take a tent, he doesn't take a stove to make a hot drink. And the only food he's got are a couple of biscuits and some sticks of chocolate. And he sets out on his own to walk those last 35 miles. Now, it is worth stopping and saying, before I go on, he's already walked... 1,500 miles in four months. So 1,500 miles, 2,200 kilometres or so. 
He's already done that. He's exhausted and very, very hungry. He hasn't got scurvy, or it's certainly not uh, showing up at this point. And he walks, and there's a one lovely little episode which sums up Tom Crean to me in almost every sense. He told somebody that on the way back to base camp, he, it, it took 18 hours to walk this last 35k, uh, 35 miles. And uh, he sat down, as he put it, to have his rations. Now, his rations are a couple of biscuits and some sticks of chocolate. And as he's munching his way through this feast, he realises that he's down to his last biscuit. He doesn't eat it. He puts it in his pocket for later because Tom Crean intends to survive and he might need that tiny but vital bit of sustenance. So you can see, again, mentally, he's saying, I'm going to get out of this. Uh, and he makes it. In 18 hours, he walks the last 35 miles, stumbles into the hut, passes out with exhaustion, is revived by a tot of brandy, which is what doctors used to do in those days, uh, and is promptly sick all over the poor old doctor. And he then volunteers to go back out and rescue his dying comrades. Fortunately, the doctor had a team of dogs and didn't. Tom was sent to bed with a bowl of porridge and told to uh, get some rest. And they saved Evans lived by the skin of his teeth and uh, he lived to become an admiral in the British Navy. And he wrote various books about them and he dedicated them to Tom Crean and Bill Lashley because he really, really wouldn't be here without them. And that is rather typical of Tom. But that episode, however dramatic it is, he was given a medal uh, for gallantry. However that important that story is, it was completely overshadowed by the death of Scott and his companions. So nobody took any notice of it. Almost, as I say, look at the older books. That story is barely covered. It's just mentioned um, uh, in passing almost. And I think that sums up everything about Tom Crean for me. Crean would eventually return to Ireland and his native Kerry in 1920. But it was a much changed place. The county was in the grip of the War of Independence at the time. And this naturally made life difficult for Crean, who had spent much of his time in England. Indeed, he would rarely speak of his experiences. Although he'd been away from home and he left Ireland as a boy and came back a man. And uh, he uh, came back, however, to a different country. Ireland in 1893, when he left Kerry, is a different place to Ireland in 1920. Not just the War of Independence, but it's a different country, a different century. Also, he laid down plans for retirement. He bought a pub in the village of Alnaskall from his hometown in, in Kerry. And he was planning. He got married in 1917 and uh, he was planning to retire back in Kerry. So he comes back having been away for 27 years. I mean, you think about that in any lifetime, that's an awful chunk out of, an awfully large chunk out of somebody's life. He comes back and find the country is in rebellion. Within a month of him coming back, his brother, who's a sergeant in the RIC, is shot dead in Cork. And he therefore takes this quite monumental decision not to speak about his exploits. And the importance of this is that Tom Crean never gave a single interview to anybody in his life. He never wrote down anything because he wasn't educated particularly. And he opened a pub, which is still there, the South Pole Inn in Alnascore, 
And people used to come in the 20s and 30s to see the famous Tom Crean, who'd been with Scott and Shackleton. And he would just, excuse the pun, but he would melt into the background. He didn't want to talk about it. Any association with the British, particularly in Kerry, as you all know better than me, uh, Kerry, very, very strong uh, country uh, during the war. And he saw the better part of valour. So he kept his head down. And I can tell you that um, when I was writing my book about him, I went to see his two surviving daughters, who were then very elderly women. And I sat down with copious drafts of tea with them, as you do in Ireland. And I began to ask them questions about their father and his lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera. When I got onto the expeditions about Scott and Shackleton, they both said, there's no point in asking us. He didn't tell us the discipline that he had, the discipline that was evident on the ice when he saves people's lives is also inherent in the nature of the man. He decided quite rightly that he, it was better to say nothing. Keep your head down, don't get involved. And so he kept his head down, literally, and, 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 uh, and physically kept his head down. And he, um, he never spoke to them. They knew nothing about his exploits other than you know the outline details that he'd obviously been to the Antarctic and he'd been with Scott and Chakra, but they knew no details about it. And so when he died, this is not a cliche, but when he died, he took his story to the grave. Tom Crean died in the late 1930s. Given what he had endured in Antarctica, you might expect he had suffered from a related illness. However, in the end, it was something very treatable that killed him. The absolute irony uh, is that he died from uh, an ailment which is treatable, not far off being like having a tooth out today. He died of a burst appendix, which, of course, in, in modern times is, is, a, is a very painful um, uh, problem, but it is a relatively routine operation. and People are whisking it out of hospital. Well, in Tom's day, he had a, a, um, appendicitis and they couldn't get him to the hospital in time. And they transferred him from Tralee down to Cork, which I would guess in those days would have taken many, many hours on the sort of roads that would have been available. Anyway, by the time um, septicemia would have set in and he lapsed into a coma and died, surrounded by his family. So he, he was killed by a relatively straightforward, and I'm not minimising the complaint for those who've had their appendix out, it's extremely painful. But um, it's, it's a treatable complaint. In Tom's day, it wasn't. So this man who had survived almost everything that the Antarctic, could, the worst climate in the world could throw at you, was knocked over by a relatively straightforward uh, complaint. Now, as we talked, I was curious why Michael had chosen to write a book about Crean, who was, when he took up his pen, a pretty obscure Irishman. The draw to me was two things, really. One is that I've always had a passion for history, and I've read a lot about polar exploration and the Scots and, and the Shackletons, and it always occurred to me as a, um, uh, you know, a, a long-standing socialist that I am, it always occurred to me that um, uh, these expeditions couldn't have existed. They weren't just about the bosses. They were also about men like Tom Crean, the petty officers, the, the sergeant majors. And I knew that you couldn't do these things on your own. And certainly I knew quite a lot about polar history. And so if you look at any books about Scott and Shackleton before mine came along, you'll see the name Tom Crean. It keeps cropping up. He's involved in all the major incidents. It's not just he's a spear carrier in some Cecil B. DeMille movie. 
He is a central character in all the big episodes. As I said, he's the last to see Scott alive. He buries Scott um, on Shackleton's expedition. He's crucial to the survival of the endurance um, and, and to the epic uh, um, rescue of the men on Elephant Island. Tom is there every episode. And so I read these books and I just thought, there must be a book about this guy. He's incredible. Finally, to conclude, I asked Michael what he thought about Crean's legacy today. Yeah, to me, <clears throat> the legacy of Tom Crean is that he is living proof that you don't have to be born with a silver spoon in your mouth or to go to university or have you know the best education that money can buy, that you can make it in life with the right uh, outlook. He is an inspiration to people in, in the way that he conducted himself, his remarkable endurance, his mental strength, as I keep saying, is the most important thing, and his unending cheerfulness. He always had a joke in him and a smile. You look at the photographs of Tom Crean, almost every photograph he's smiling, and he's in the most appalling places with temperatures of minus 30, and he's hungry, and he's, and, and he's bitterly cold, and he's still smiling. This is the sort of character, is it? He's an, to me, he's an inspiration. And I've had uh, literally thousands of people have uh, written to me or contacted me at public events. I do quite a lot of public speaking on the subject. People come to me all the time and say how you know, they've read the book and reread it and then reread it again because it inspires them. And grown men tell me how often they weep while reading it because they're inspired by this remarkable character, uneducated Kerry Farmer's son. I want to thank Michael for talking to me. You can find his great book, Unsung Hero, Tom Crean, Antarctic Survivor, in all bookshops. You can also check out his website, mixsmith.co.uk. There's links in the show notes below. Next up is the three-part conclusion to the War of Independence series. Until then, Sloan. being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you